Aleluia. Aleluia. Praise the Lord. And God's people said, Amen. Can I invite the children to head on out to Kids Church and the Bilbies? That would be fantastic. Um, we just want to say welcome to you this morning. Sort of, you don't know how to end a moment like that. Kind of don't want to end a moment like that. Could you grab that one for me as well? Huh. Well, guys, um, welcome to church. Welcome to Life Source. You might see some of these on your seats if you're new here with us today and um, you're looking for a home. Well, we just want to say welcome home to you and uh, we'd love to grab your details and love to talk to you about uh, what God's doing. And uh, if you if you actually are part of Life Source Church and you're sick of us saying welcome home, we'll get used to it because we're expecting that you would bring your friends and your family and your neighbors to come with you so that we can welcome them home too. Amen. So welcome home to Life Source. We'd love to see your details handed in. And uh, if you see one of the ushers when you give those in, you might even get a free lunch or a free cup of coffee or hot chocolate. So that's also uh, a good reward. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. As you can see, we've got a couple of our pastors away today. And uh, Pastor James is over in, uh, where is he? Leeton, that's right. To remember how far Leeton is away. Uh, Pastor James is over in Leeton and his wife Amy and their little baby Sophie and uh, they get the opportunity today to talk to the Leeton church and to introduce the little baby so that'll be awesome, amen. And uh, Pastor Jamie and Hannah, they have taken a break for the weekend and I think they're playing in the white powder, is that right? So that's really cool. Uh, we're going to get into the word and then uh, and then we'll see where God leads us in that. We're, we're reflecting on a book at the moment, our series called uh, Driven by Eternity. And I'm just going to put that over there because I'll need that later. And uh, I don't know about you, but I think we've been uh, encouraged and blessed. I think we've been challenged in many things as well. And that's the whole point of sharing the word. We, wanna, we don't want to just build people up and, and, and make them think that they're, they're uh, what am I saying? That make them think that they are... Um, all well and good if there's something in their life that the word needs to touch then we want to speak it in truth and in love and let God deal with those things in our life amen so uh, that's one of the reasons we've been looking at driven by eternity and uh, I, I'm, I'm expecting uh, to get into that but I, I actually just forgot something hello John pastor Rod yeah I'll touch on pastor Rod at the end um, that'll be really cool and uh, but I, I just wanted to remember that yesterday and Friday night here at Life Source, we held our very first, don't you run away, Stephanie. We've held our very first women's conference. So everyone put your hands together for Steph and her team. I was hoping that we might be able to grab a little testimony. Is that okay? Yeah? And uh, maybe you can share some of what your vision was really quickly and, um, and, and maybe what happened over the weekend. So come and we'll give you the mic. Uh, he can be with you if you want. That's fine. <laughs> awesome. On um, Friday night and Saturday, so yesterday we had a women's conference here. Um, the talks were recorded in Colorado in America at a church over there. Um, and they've been putting on this conference for 10 plus years. 
Um, so we were fortunate that Tash was able to find the talks um, and get us connected with that. So we had a fabulous time. We had such a great weekend. Um, the talks were based on true joy. So that was the theme for the conference. Um, so we looked at at true beauty for women, what that looks like, um, not looking at the outside person but the radiance that shines through um, when we are made new in Christ and we are um, a changed and, and that's working out through us. Um, so Leslie, who was, gave most of the talks for the weekend, she... Um, She's just really great with her own personal stories and stories of really um, strong Christian women in history um, in the recent past and a bit further back um, and just really biblical. Um, so it was really encouraging to get what Jesus has said, um, how we are, as women, are created, how we um, are special and we're being created for a purpose. And so, um, I mean, the talks were fabulous the music, Naomi and, and her team yesterday were um, great and we had a really good worship session, um, just being able to reflect on what we were, were learning and, um, yeah, just great time to spend together. We've had just a great weekend. <laughs> team, wonderful. I forgot I was off then. Isn't that awesome news? And uh, to be able to get around with turn that one off, be able to get around um, as ladies and encourage each other and uh, in their journey and walk is amazing and maybe, um, maybe Var, we can chase up a couple of the ladies over the next month and get some testimonies for our next newsletter. I think it would be good to hear uh, what's happening um, as, as the ladies have been encouraged over this weekend. Amen? Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today and Lord, we approach you... Um, Father, with a soft heart, and we, we ask, Lord God, that our minds would be open to hear what you want to say and speak to us today. So, Lord, we pray that you would uh, speak through with truth, with heavenly words, and any word that comes from me, Lord God, I pray that it would fall to the ground and just let your spirit speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, like I said, we're doing Driven by Eternity and I can tell I'm going to get warm. Are you guys warm? Well, that's a that's a blessing in itself, isn't it? Because there's no heaters on anymore except for this big white one here and that little one there. Naomi's sitting on top of it. But uh, it's pretty warm up here on the stage, so I know it's warm down there. So I'll just get rid of this. <clears throat> Great. Oh, wow. Make sure my shirt's down so you're not looking. <laughs> so we've been learning so much over the series, um, and that's up there. That's good. We've been learning so much over this series and we're definitely on the home straight now. This is week four of our six-week series and uh, and we're, week five, sorry, week five of our six-week series. So we've got this week and next week will be the last one. And uh, we've been learning some really good things. But as I begin, uh, I just want to make us aware uh, that today I'm going to use three videos within what I share. And the reason I'm using the videos is not because I'm lazy, it's because John Bevere can say something in four minutes, which takes me 20 minutes to explain. So <laughs> um, I just think that it'd be really good to, to let his voice speak into those areas so that I don't take up an hour and a half of your time in, in what I have to say. But uh, we're looking at this, this whole area of uh, 
God's custom home is our week five. And uh, when we think about that, and uh, I'm going to put this down here because it's going to annoy me. When we think about these sorts of things, uh, we've got to understand what God's talking to us about has, having to build his home. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, Zechariah 4 and verse 6. So we'll just, we'll just rewind slightly to last week, and then we'll lead into this section here. When it comes in the day, or to the day that we stand before Jesus, you remember we were talking about that day last week. It was the beamer seat of Christ. When it comes to that, t- that day, uh, I want to make it clear that we won't be judged entirely on what we did. Okay, But Scripture more so understands or helps us to understand that it's going to be in two particular ways that we're going to stand before God. It says, number one, uh, that our involvement with building the kingdom of God in accordance with our calling and our personal gifts that he's given us, which will be our focus today. The building of the kingdom of God, how God has called us to do so. Uh, That's one area that we're going to stand before Jesus and have a judgment on. The second one is how we built individual lives. So the first one is about how we built the kingdom. The second one is how we built individual lives. And this is in accordance to our own personal life. And it's also in accordance with how we built the lives of those around us, like our, our relationships, our, our husbands and our wives, our children, um, those who God has put us into contact with and to help disciple in the kingdom of God. Everyone that he's called us to pray for and to work with, all of that it will come into context. How we've influenced them okay as a father as a mother as a son as a daughter as a grandparent as a colleague as a worker as a as a boss okay we will actually stand before jesus and and an account of our life according to what god's called us will become um um open to his scrutiny okay but let me say this our actions and our works Our words and our thoughts and every motive will all be examined in these cases. Now that's a that's a fearful thing. We've been talking about the fear of the Lord in a couple of weeks in those couple of weeks leading up to last week. And the fear of the Lord is that which we know that Jesus is returning and Jesus is coming back and he's going to receive us up and one day we'll stand before him and give an account for our life. So we should, we should approach his word with an open heart, like I said, an open mind. We should approach what he speaks to us with obedience. Okay, And who knows that radical obedience is quick obedience. When God says something, we should radically look to put it into our life. And God does speak like that to us. And part of our journey as Christians, part of our journey as sons and daughters of God, is to actually come before God and ask him to speak to us and make it clear. Okay, Um, Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice. Okay, that's a descriptive term of his church. It's a descriptive term of you and I. If we're following Jesus, we're his sheep. Amen. We don't want to be goats. We want to be his sheep. And he promises that as sheep, we will hear his voice. And he is the great shepherd. He's a much greater shepherd than any of us could be. Praise God for that. But thankfully, he gifts us in those areas as well. So our roles. We're looking, as I said, the first thing we'll look at today is this context that um, is our roles 
in building the kingdom of God. Look to your neighbor and say, you have a purpose. Uh, There was no conviction in that. Look to your neighbor and say, you have a purpose. Amen. That's again, Micah, one more time. All right, hear that? That's, you want to hear conviction, amen? You have a purpose, okay? And your purpose you need to discover. And your purpose is to build the kingdom of God. And that's why I started this morning with Isaiah 35. We need to build according to God's purpose, which is to see His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what He's called us to do. And He gives every individual church a, probably a blueprint for that. And for us, part of that blueprint is in the connection with who we are, where we're planted and what he's doing, which is why he's planted us in the desert to bring life to where there is death. Amen? So that's what we've got to understand. God has called us to build the kingdom of God. So you have a purpose. Every one of us has a purpose. Our ability to build the kingdom is entirely based upon our obedience to the Holy Spirit because we can do nothing of eternal value unless it is by the grace of God. So our roles in building the kingdom, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Psalms 127.1. Is that right? That's what the scripture says. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Okay? So we've got to do our part in obedience to God's will and the grace that he supplies by his spirit to do so. Clearly what we see is that we can't build apart from the spirit of God. Anything that you try and do in your own flesh and your own strength when you stand before the beamer seat of Christ will be burnt up. That is what it is to build with straw, to build with wood in accordance to the scripture we'll look at in reflection on last week. So we have to look at building according to God's plans and God's purposes in our life. We don't want to build, we don't want to labor for something that is worthless in light of eternity. Amen. The Lord says in Isaiah 66 and 1 to 2, the Lord says this. Heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. What kind of house then could you build for me? What kind of place for me to live? I myself create the whole universe. I am pleased with those who are humble and repentant, who fear me and obey me. So what's saying here? How can we suppose to build God a house? God creates the heavens and the earth is his footstool, but yet the people of God want to build a house for him. How do we suppose we could even have the audacity to do this? And then on the second scripture, he he tells us, I am pleased with those who are humble and repentant, who fear and obey me. So you want to know how to please God? There's our answer, amen? You want to know how to, how to build a house for God? We need to come into alignment with what he's saying here to his people. And this is the latter end of Isaiah 66. This is more so to the church than it ever was for the Hebrew people. This is like the last section of Isaiah. 
It is the, the scripture here. He is speaking directly to you and I. He's saying, you want to know how to please me. You want to know how to build a home for me. Then it comes to these things that we are humble and repentant before him. We don't want to bring pride and arrogance into the presence of God, do we? And in fact, we know that God is so holy. When we bring pride before him, it will be consumed. How many times have we seen that even through scripture? We don't want to bring our own plans and our own purposes. We want to bring a repentant heart because, you know, God uses a repentant soul. Amen. God will use you if you humble yourself and you come into obedience and alignment with his word. The second, the third part there is those who fear me. We've discussed that, haven't we? Pastor Jamie two weeks ago talking about that and then myself a little bit last week. And then lastly, those who obey me when we talk about god when we talk about his plans for our life like i said before quick obedience is always the important key amen so we see here that god has put in humans you and i a desire to build him a home but then he says that we can't do that without responding to those four things John Bevere writes this in the book, Driven by Eternity. Simply put, God is saying, I'm God. Are you fully aware of who I I really am? So what is it you think that you can do for me? The idea that we can create something is in uh, that God is in need of could be compared to a bunch of ants saying to you and I, we are going to build a house for you. How ridiculous. How can we do, um, we can do nothing in our own strength to serve and please our majestic, unfathomable and awesome God. God really doesn't need us, does he? But that's the good news. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. Amen. That's why he created us. Amen. That's why he said, let us make man in our image. Why? So that he can love on us as a doting father, so that we can be his people and he, can, we, he will be our God. Okay? But on the other hand of this, we see who can please God. It is those, as I said, who are humble, who are repentant, who uh, fear him and who obey him. They are the ones that God privileges to build his house. These people. You and I, when we come into alignment with God's plans and his purposes for our life, we're the ones that he's pleased with to build his house. How can they benefit such an awesome God? Well, that was our first scripture that we had on our title page. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who's thankful today that God has placed his spirit in you? You see, when God puts his spirit in you, you know that whatever you put your hand to in light of his commands and his commission on your life will have an eternal effect. Amen? We've we've looked at our, our life being a vapor, 
But when we put our hearts and our obedience and our fear into God and we come into this place of repentance and walking what the Word of God says, not what we would like to do in our own heart, not what the world says is right, but when we put what the Word of God says into action, we actually align ourselves with what the Spirit of God says and does in our life and who knows, we hear Him more clear. That's the whole purpose, amen? It is a human being cooperating in obedience to the Holy Spirit that brings results. Only then is a laborer's work not in vain. You and I, we are subcontractors for God. Jesus says that we are co-laborers, or Paul writes that we're co-laborers with Christ. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 to 15, and I put it up there so that you can reflect on it and see it because it is a big chunk of Scripture. But let's break it down really quickly as we read it. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. There's three things there. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. The foundation was who? We said last week, the foundation was Jesus. Always is, always was, always will be. Any other foundation that we build on is we're building in vain. Let each one take care how he builds it. So we don't build according to our purposes. We don't build according to our ideas. We build according to the master's plans. Amen? So let us take care how we build it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with what? Gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. What day is that? The day of judgment for the, for the believers. The day will dis- disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. God's into rewards, amen? Okay? They're a good thing. He will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Each one's work will be tested by fire. So our hearts, as we follow Jesus in this life, our hearts and all that we do, all that he's called us to do, should really be about pursuing gold, silver, and precious gems. Is that right? Not in the natural, it's not. It's not about acquiring wealth for ourselves. It's about how we build and with what materials we build. Therefore, hearing from God gives us the, and the ability by the Holy Spirit to implement what God says, gives us the potential to build with the right materials because God doesn't use cheap, knock-off, rip-off materials. He only uses the best. So when God does it through a human being, through you and I, through his church, he only uses the right materials, okay? Those which will be tested by fire and will prevail. 
But when we're out of kilter of what God wants us to do, when we think we know what the Word of God says and we, don't, and we apply what we think we know or what we assume is right based upon a worldly view, then we're building with what? Those materials which will be tested by fire and it will be consumed. Straw, hay, wood, all of those sorts of things. Does that, is that a clear analogy, a clear picture of understanding that as we stand before God, we will be tested in what we do? Let me say, actually look to your neighbor and say, I want to build with imperishable materials. There's no conviction there again. What is going on? The good stuff, Reuben, I can hear you. Well done. Verse 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Let's look at this video and let's see. John Bevere, bring this back in six minutes. Would it take me an hour to, to do for you? All right? So we'll get this going. What a guy working 80 years in his own strength cannot do more than somebody working five minutes by the Spirit of God. That's why it's not by might, not by power, but it's by my Spirit. Listen, every time I even just even read my Bible, I'm like, Holy Spirit, I've got to have you. When I did these sessions, I was like, God, I've got to have you. I've been preaching for 30 years, but I'm like, God, I've got to have your help, Holy Spirit. So it's so important that you remember that. But here's another one. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So you can see that God likens us to builders. Now, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Look at this. This is amazing. For we are God's fellow workers. Right. You are God's field. You are God's building. Now, there's three distinct statements here. Number one, you're God's fellow workers. Put that on a shelf. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Number two, you are God's field. I'm not going to talk about that, but that is in the book. And number three, you are God's building. Now, notice that statement. Paul said, you are God's building. What building is he talking about? Well, I have an announcement to make, and it's a really fun announcement. Are you ready? God is building himself a custom home. And he's really excited about it. I remember when Lisa and I had a privilege, uh, the privilege of building a custom home. Back in the, uh, it was actually, uh, when was it? It was in the early 90s. Lisa and I were living with, I think at the time, Addison, Addison only. We were living in a little track home. And one of the premier home builders in Orlando, Florida, he had won awards. And um, he had been so impacted by the bait of Satan. He saw me at a parade of homes because Lisa loves looking at homes, okay, and dreaming. And he goes, John Bevere. We hear my name screamed out. Bait of Satan. And I'm like... Okay. He said, man, I want to build you a house. I want to build you a God house. And I was like, God house, what's that mean? He says, I'm not going to make a penny off of it. We're like, wow. So I remember he came over to our house a couple days later, little track home we were living in. And he puts out a blank piece of paper on the table, right? He says, okay, draw your dream house. And, and Lisa and I just looked at each other like, what? Because we're so used to track homes. You, you can't change this. You can't change that. It's all, you know, we're like, really? Well, Lisa got to work. And let me tell you, I think I drew the study in the garage. She did everything else. And we watched how he took that little scribble on that paper, sent it to the designers and the architects, and back came the blueprints. And when they started building that house, 
Oh my gosh, Lisa and I were out there at that job site every day. We were so excited about seeing what we had dreamed, put on paper, come up right before our very eyes. Well, that's the way God is about his house. That's how excited he is about it. He designed his house from the foundations of the world. So, you know, like he's on the job site every day, checking it out, right? But God did something that Lisa and I didn't do. He put a name on his house. See, like people, you know, sometimes put names on houses. I wish we would have thought of that. You know, like you, you look at the guy who lives in Washington. He calls the house the White House. You look at the lady in England. She calls her place Buckingham, right? Now, some of you may not be familiar. If you look at Nicolas Cage, he's got a, a place and he calls it Friar Park. Well, God put a name on his house. What's the name of God's house? Zion. Everybody say that with me. Zion. All right. Look at this. It says, for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I've desired it. Do you see his passion for his house? I mean, he's like, man, I designed this thing so long ago, I am so excited about it being finished. Now, when you're a custom home builder and you're building your custom house, what do you start with? What's the first thing you start with? Everybody say it. Foundation. Foundation. All right, look what Isaiah says. See, I lay a stone. Everybody say a stone. stone. In Zion, that's his custom home, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. Who is that? Jesus is the chief foundational cornerstone of God's custom house. But remember, Paul said, we're the house. So if Jesus is part of the building material of the house, that means we're part of the building material of the house, right? What does the Bible say about that? Look at first, look at Second Peter. First Peter, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple or house. And you, talking about us, are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple or house. Isn't that exciting? We're part, we're part of the building material that he's going to dwell in forever. See, if you look at what Paul says to the Ephesians, you'll see it again. Paul said, together we are his house. Okay, are you getting this? Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy house for the Lord. Is that not exciting? Now, what else did Paul say? Not only are we the building material, he said we are God's fellow, come on, fellow workers, right? All right, can I give you a more relevant term? We're his subcontractors. Okay, so now what are the subcontractors? There, that's the electrician, the plumber, the uh, drywall guy, that's the framers, the window guy. They're the guys that really build the house. If you really want to know the truth, when Bob built our home, he didn't nail one nail into the whole house. He didn't lay one brick. All the subs build the house. Are you following me? So who would be the chief sub building God's house? Who would be the number one sub? It would be Jesus. Look what he said. Remember Galatians 4.4, God sent him at the appointed time. Jesus said, I finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, how many of you know that the subs being scheduled at the right time is really important when you're building a house? I mean, if you bring in the drywall guy before the electrician, you're in big, big trouble, right? Well, God carefully scheduled out the subs to build his house, Jesus being the chief. That's why it says at the appointed time, Jesus was Jesus came. Are you seeing this? Did he explain that really well? Yeah, pretty cool, eh? Um, so you and I are God's subcontractors, okay? We've each got a part in building God's house. Do you understand that concept? Yeah? Someone might be swinging a hammer, another person might be playing with the pliers, another person might be using the trowel to put the, the plaster up, but we're all doing something different, and every one of them is just as important to complete God's home. 
Amen? So look to your neighbor and say, you're important. I reckon you are very important. Okay? <laughs> very good. Very good. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, again, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Amen? You are his fellow workers in building his building. The Apostle Paul said it in reference to this. He said, I have fought the good fight. That's 2 Timothy verses four, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. Put it up there for you. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's an important thing. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. We'll move from the analogy of building the home for a minute to the analogy of racing. If you're a cross-country runner and you were not given a map of the course, who knows you would be lost very quickly. Yeah, it'd be okay while you were stuck with the, the, the crowd as you followed along. But if you're anything like me, you're going to tire out really quickly because I'm a really bad runner. Long distance, okay? I could do a short spurt from here to the door if there was a fire. But if you wanted me to run because someone was chasing me, I'm going to be the first one eaten. All right? That's just the way it is. Do you understand? So um, I'll sacrifice myself for all of you, all right? That's got to look at it with a positive edge amen okay so the apostle paul says that you know if you're going to go in a long distance race because you know this is not a hundred meter sprint we're in a a race together okay i've got my race you've got your race we're each competing for the prize and the prize is not one prize the prize is the prize for my life and your life you've each got your own reward amen so if you don't have the plans you will get lost why do you think God canonized his word? That's why we've got a blueprint. We've got his plans. And in here is his desire to build his home. In here is his desire so that you would receive your full reward and not be suffering any loss when you stand before him because he's got it for you. He wants to fill you with his purpose and his power and his passion and he gives you the grace to be able to overcome with his word. Amen? So you've got to learn that by running the race, we've got to run it according to the plan or build the house according to the blueprint. How can you say then that I have finished the race without the map? You can't. Paul had the map. He had the purpose of Christ in his life. He had the words of the apostles as they spoke to him and taught him and he reflected on scripture and he got revelation from god you do the same thing you need to read the word and get god's revelation in it for your life and it can't be a revelation formed from your own worldview it has to be a revelation formed from what scripture is actually saying as the word of god and the spirit of god come together in complete harmony he gives us a plan and being his subcontractors getting back to the house we all like this passage of scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, For you are, or we are, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you notice something there? 
the word should. Paul doesn't write the word would because God doesn't trump your free will. God has put a plan in place. He's put a purpose on your life, a calling on your life that you should walk in that. But you get the choice, should you or would you? You see, every one of us, the onus is upon us to make the decision that we will follow God's plan for our life. It's not about what the pastor tells you to do, but that you will make that decision to follow God, that you should walk in his plans, his statutes and his ways. Psalm 139 and verse 16, David wrote this, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Which says to something, it says to us something. Every moment of our life has been planned out. It's been written in God's book, which means you all have a book written about your life. God's plans, God's purpose for your life. Put your name on it. That book belongs to Anna. That book belongs to Pete. That book is the book of Kyle. That book is your name. It is written about your life and how you were to build God's kingdom and his plans and purposes for your life. Now, it makes sense why we will stand accountable before God because he's written it out, planned it before we were even born, and this is what he wants us to follow, but we have the choice whether we follow that or not. And, and maybe our part in the wall or our part in the building or our part in the church or our part in the influence upon our city is not being fulfilled because we're not walking in accordance to God's book written for our life. Does that make sense? Every one of us has a book. And in that book right now, at this time, every one of you are sitting here written in it by God. Your book says that you were sitting right in that seat and that you were listening to the Word of God and my book says the same. Amen? Oh, in my context. Let's look at this video. We're getting there, guys. You know, here's the big problem that I find in all the traveling that I've done and all the communicating to, to people in churches, especially with business people, marketplace people, mothers of small children. There's this mentality in this church that only the pastors, the teachers, the worship leaders, the church staffs have full-time callings on their life. No, that is an absolute lie. If you are born again, there, not even if you're born again, every single human being, we have a call of God upon our life. And you know what that calling is? To be a subcontractor building God's custom home. Isn't that amazing? So I, I don't want you to ever think again, well, gosh, I'm in the business field. No, uh-uh. God's placed his hand on your life to build his custom home. Amen? Can you say amen to that? So now the question is, God formed out this plan before we were born, wrote it in a book about our life. Okay, so there's a book, right, called Alec Bevere. And God sat there and wrote all of Alec's life out. The question now becomes, and I'm going to remove Alec now from the equation, Will we fulfill what he wrote in his book? All right? If you look at Ecclesiastics, this is amazing. Ecclesiastics, this verse right here speaks of God's sovereignty. Everybody say sovereignty. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. What is he saying? God is saying, 
I plan my custom home from the beginning. And nothing's going to stop it from being finished. My house will be full. That's sovereignty. But then the next verse speaks of free will, our choice. Look what he goes on to say. That which is, that which is right now has already been. So that which is, remember I said all of us sitting in here here together right now, if you go to all of our books, you'll probably find it in there because that which is has already been in the mind of God. He wrote it in a book. And that which is to be, that's our tomorrows, has already been. Remember I said God wrote it in a book before a single day began, right? But look at this, and God requires an account of what is past. In other words, did we fulfill what he had written for our lives to do or did we go a different way, our own way? So you know what that tells me? At the judgment seat, in regard to our callings, okay, please hear me, in regard to our callings, we will not be judged according to what we did. Rather, we will be judged according to what we were called to do. Do I need to say that again? As far as our callings go at the judgment, I'm talking about the believer's judgment seat, we will not be judged according to what we did. We'll be judged according to what we were called to do. Mmm, very good. Do you like that one? Oh, that's good. So that question for us, will we fulfill what is written in God's book about us? As his subcontractors, how we build and with what we build is important. Gold, silver, precious stones, or will what we build with burn up? This is our last video for today. And again... This isn't out of the series. This is a video that's been done in support of what we're saying. And I would ask you to open your heart up because every time I watch this, I cry. Okay? Question. What are you called to do? Ask that question because we won't be judged according to what we did in life, but rather what we were called to do in life. Imagine with me standing before the throne of God and a scenario like this occurred. Evangelist Anderson, come forth and give an account of your stewardship on earth. Evangelist Anderson, I'm not an evangelist. I'm an accountant. I I had an accounting firm. I had an evangelist Anderson. Where are the 347,566 souls I called you to impact in Asia, son? Where are they? I'm an an accountant. I I had an accounting firm. I I helped churches. I helped ministries with their their, their finances. Son, where are the 347,566 souls in Asia I called you to impact? Son, where are they? Had you sought me, had you sought my face, I would have revealed this to you. And everything in regards to that man's calling was burned up before the judgment seat of Christ. Accountant Jones, step forward and give an account of your stewardship. Accountant Jones? No, I, I passed him for 35 years. I, a membership of 750 people accountant Jones I called you to the marketplace had you done this 
you would have significantly impacted two people. You and those two men would have helped churches with their finances, and those churches would have impacted 751,321 souls. If you would have sought me, I, I would have revealed this to you. And again, in regards to this man's calling, everything he's done in life would be burned up before the judgment seat of Christ. Sister Smith, come forth and give an account of your stewardship. illustration, isn't it? Because sometimes what we think about as serving God doesn't quite line up with what God thinks about. Every person's call is unique. Every person's book is profoundly different. And God, you will give an account before God based upon your book. Let me read this out of this book today. Allow me to give you an actual example. Our ministry has a board member who is a dear friend and pastor and pastors a thriving church to the southeastern part of the United States. He started his church in 1991 with, 70, uh, with 22 people and is now pushing 4,000 members. It is one of the easiest churches to preach in because of the hunger of the people. Multitudes have been saved and discipled in this church. The church grew rapidly through much prayer, strong preaching and hard labor, and they built a beautiful building to accommodate the large numbers of people. After several years, my friend observed a distinguished, white-haired gentleman, always well-dressed, attending the services. He also noticed that this man would sit and watch services after 
he would sit and watch service after service with tears running down his face. The pastor felt that these weren't tears of joy. Finally, the gentleman approached one of the associate pastors and shared that in 1981, the Lord spoke to him. So 10 years earlier, the Lord spoke to him clearly that he was to start a church in that city. A few days later, he had a dream about the building. This church he was to pastor would meet him. The dream was so vivid that he got a professional to draw a rendition of the building that he saw. He then said that he ran into some resistance and backed off from starting the church. After a while, he traveled and ministered in other cities for a short time and eventually ended up back in the business world. He then opened a carefully folded paper and told the associate that that was the artist's rendition of the building that he had drawn up in 1981. When the associate looked at the drawing, he almost went into shock. It was the building that my friend had built years earlier, later, sorry, in which they were now meeting. My friend has since ministered comfort to this man, but the gentleman has shared the difficulty he's had in getting over it. Of course, God does not intend for him to live in condemnation, but to learn, grow, and find out how he can effectively serve the Lord the rest of his life. I'll keep reading. Several years ago, I was speaking on the very topic at a large conference. After the service, a pastor who was quite shaken and a bit miffed approached one of our team members. This leader said, he's not serious about what he said tonight, right? My team member responded, of course he meant what he said. It's the word of God. Why? What's wrong? The pastor, who was over 50 years old, replied, When I was young, I had a vivid dream of living in and ministering to the people of the Philippines. The dream was so real, I believed I was to one day move there. However, it never happened, and now I've been pastoring my church for over 30 years. Our team member gently responded, Well, what are you going to do about it? The pastor was speechless and walked away. A year later, our team member heard from the former pastor this leader had given the church over to an associate and was now living in the Philippines and loving it. The former pastor's report was, I feel for the first time in my life I'm doing exactly what I was created to do. There's another story in there, I won't read it now, but there's another story in there about a Navy SEAL who was pastoring or who felt that he was called to go into the ministry. And while he was going through seminary uh, and serving in the church, he was accused falsely of of, uh, having a sexual relationship with a 16-year-old girl. It was proved false to be false, but it wrecked his ministry, wrecked any chance of him being ever employed as a pastor. And sometimes these things, they they rock us in the wrong way and we give up on God. This man, he never gave up on God because it was a person who had made the accusation. And he sought God's face and God had talked to him and told him, I never called you into the ministry, I called you into the military. And he began to, went to find an enrollment and he went around and around until he found that he was called to be his Navy SEAL. Now this is a man who couldn't swim, physically couldn't swim and 
also couldn't swim because when he went below the water, he had grommets in his ears and water would pour into his ears, so he wasn't allowed to swim. So he couldn't swim and wasn't allowed to swim. But he said, God's called me to be a Navy SEAL. Now, who knows what a Navy SEAL has to go through, the type of training that they have to go through to become a Navy SEAL. And, uh, you know, linked arms in the water getting smashed by waves. You've got to know how to swim so far. You've got to know, be able to swim underwater, holding your breath for so long. This man physically couldn't do it, but he put himself through immense pain and torture by learning to swim and by doing the things, so much so that, those who were overseeing him tried to tell him that he should leave the program, but God had given him grace. And in the midst of him doing what God had called him to train in, God healed his ears completely. The grommets are no longer there. And, and the story goes in and talks about how this man has influenced so many people amongst the military and the SEALs, uh, the Navy of um, of, of, of America because God had called him to a purpose. God had called him to an area. And that's the question that we need to answer in our life. If God's spoken to us as a young person that we're going to be in a different country or we're going to be ministering to a particular group, then we need to understand that their time is not up. We all have the opportunity to repent before God because before we looked at that God loves a humble heart. And a repentant heart. We've got time to get on our knees and to seek God's face. It's not about condemning and bringing judgment into your life. You've all got time to seek God's face and become part partners with what God has called you to do to fulfill your book. Amen. And invite our ushers to come and distribute our communion today. Now I knew that I would be doing communion today, but I didn't know what I wanted to say. But what I want to leave us with today as our ushers serve us is that there are three points that I want us to reflect on and I think I will preach about these later in the year again. But I want three points to sit with us. So as you receive your communion this morning, as you receive the the blood of Jesus represented in the juice and the body of Christ represented in the body and the bread that you receive. There is a reflection point for us. Are we going to take the body and blood of Jesus and bring conviction and condemnation upon ourselves, or are we going to say yes to God? And to say yes to God and to fully come into this place of the fear of the Lord and, and the repentant heart and the obedient lifestyle that God wants you to be and yet the fruitful lifestyle that God has called and ordained from before the beginning of time for your life. There are three things that I know that will help us in moving forward. So please bear with me as I go through these three things as quick as I can, but I want you to look into what you hold as you, com- as you commune with your God listening to these. Many would find the thought that one could stray from God's plan even by deviating into things that look good or godly to be terrifying. That's an understandable response. But remember that we are called not into fear of failure or punishment, but we are called into the fear of 
of the Lord. The fear of the Lord keeps us in the counsel of the one whom it is said, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the left or the right. That is Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21. So in concluding, let us look at these three points. How can we know our place as builders in God's custom home? There are three ways. Firstly, have you sought God earnestly? And I'm not talking about, yes, I've come into salvation, because that there is the very first step into what we're talking about, salvation by grace and faith. We understand that. I'm talking about, have you sought Jesus about your life? There are business people that should be in ministry. There are ministry people that should be in business. There are people who are trying to get a spot on the pulpit who should, are called to be great mums and dads. There are people who are doing things that need to shift in the way that they've heard from God. Have you sought God earnestly? We're told in Hebrews 11.6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's the same word, diligently, earnestly, inquiring of the Lord. And the promise is that as we approach God in faith, we please him, and it pleases him to speak to us about his plans. For our life. Do we earnestly seek God or is it an inconvenience to our own desires? We must settle in our hearts that we are to obey God no matter what. Then when we diligently seek him to be led into his plans and the examples of these would be people like Joseph who went through false accusation and prison and all sorts of ridicule until the point that God elevated him to be the second in charge over all of Egypt. Moses, David, people like this who went through atrocities yet found God's plan in their life. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. That is a promise. Secondly, if the first one is to seek him with your whole being, the second one, and you know if you've talked to me about this, this is my number one thing. And that's why Isaiah 35 spoke so clearly to me, because we will flourish as the crocus. It is to have yourself firmly planted in the house of God. Psalm 92, 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You want to know what it is to flourish in the kingdom of God? You have to be planted in the house of God. You can't do this from your own home, watching some person, a televangelist, telling you how to live and getting you revved up to live for life. You have to be in the house of God because you have something written in your book that you are to contribute to the house of God. No one else can do that for you. Only you can do that. 
And people are fulfilling roles in the church because you're not. And they are doing it in their own strength. And all of that that they're doing is building with wood and clay. And they're being held away from building with the foundations of what God has given them in their life. There needs to be a shift, not just in our thinking and mentality. There needs to be a shift in where and how we're serving so we can release people into their calling. Amen? If Jesus builds his church, how does he do it? He does it through you and I. He doesn't do it from the one person behind a pulpit. He does it through people like you and I. If he is the chief cornerstone and the chief builder, he supplies you with what you need, then we need to be obedient vessels to fulfill his work. And I'll move really quickly through that. And the last thing in that saying is, I need to say this. God has gifted you, each and every one of you, with time, talent and treasure. And if your time and your talent and your treasure is not invested in the house that you were planted in, then you are not fulfilling the call of God on your life. Your time, your talent and your treasure are precious to God. What you hold in your hand, if it is precious to you, then you will seek the Lord's face and you will put your roots down like the crocus. And the last thing here, the third thing that will help us to see that we would be truly faithful and obedient and see that we would be successful in building the kingdom of God around our own life and the church that God has put us is this, that we don't become entangled with this world. The final thing is people don't find their calling because they're entangled and choked by the weeds of this life. We talked about that in the, the parable of the sower, didn't we? That the weeds will come up and choke the life out of you and restrict the very fruitfulness in your life. This is the final key in discovering God's purpose. That you would separate yourself from the weight of this world. And that you would truly seek God's heart and truly seek God's life for you. He has a mission and a purpose for you. Amen. May we stand to our feet this morning. I think, I think of all the messages that we've shared through this Driven by Eternity series, this very message that we can partner with God is probably one of the best news stories that we can give you today. But the onus is always on us. Where our salvation is completely secure in Jesus Christ, our reward and our part in building the kingdom of God and the house of God, which we call as Zion, is squarely upon us and how we seek God's face. You see, I can imagine a time where we're all standing in God's house in the building that he designed from the dawn of the century, or the dawn of time where he said, I will build my house. And I, I could see people walking around showing off the portions of the house that they had built. And I could see other people who stay away from that particular area because it's not quite finished or it's not quite as glorious as it could have been and they would in themselves 
be grieved. God doesn't want you to be grieved. He wants you to be effective and efficient. He wants you to be his sons and his daughters first and foremost. And the overflow and outflow of seeking his face is that you would build his custom home. And Jesus, he paid the ultimate price that you and I could do so. So as we take and eat today, let us be thankful for what God done by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Would you cry out to him? Would you seek his face? Would you pray in unity with the prayers of the church? And would you pray that your own will would be done away with so that you could walk in the will of God as Jesus did? Let's be like Jesus who said, I have finished the work that you assigned for me. Let's be like Paul who said, I have run the race. I have finished. Let us hear like that mum today in that video, well done, good and faithful, enter into your reward. Lord Jesus, we stand before you this morning and we say, have your way. Lord, let your truth penetrate our heart in such a way that we would pursue you with everything we have. And where we would find things are uncomfortable or where in this world the, the weight of it would come against us, Lord, would it be that we would turn to you in those times and that we would find in the presence of the Lord that there is joy to overcome. Oh God, we pray, have your way. So thank you, Jesus, that you would be flogged in our behalf. That by your stripes we may be healed. And we declare that over our lives this morning. That by your stripes we were healed. Lord, heal us so that we can be effective for your kingdom. As we take and eat, be grateful today. Thank you, Lord. And God, for your son to walk to the cross to take upon himself the cup of which you had prepared for him, to finish the work that we have a role model to seek after and to follow. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would go to the cross and you would spill every drop of your blood, that we would be forgiven and that we could walk in a position of repentance with you, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that as every person this week would be upon their knees seeking your face. I pray, Lord, that the very Spirit of Christ would wash over them and that they would know that they are the redeemed sons of God, the redeemed sons of God who are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. I pray, O oh God, that as you wash over us, that, Lord, the guilt and the stain of shame would be washed off of our life and that we would be clear in our hearing to know that we would fulfill your call in this life. Thank you, Jesus, that you did so and that by faith we approach you now because we know, Lord, that it pleases you. Thank you, God. Let us drink today in thanksgiving. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may take your seats.